listening to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. A podcast for today's insurance agents. Informing. Educating. Empowering. Improving the way you do business in an industry that's anything but static. In today's episode, cybersecurity threats are on the rise. Find out best practices for internet safety in Cybersecurity Best Practices for Insurance Agents, written by Isabel Vitali. Let's go through a scenario. You receive an email from Susan, a carrier representative that you've talked to before, but it seems off. You notice she's sending from a different email address than usual. Do you open the attachment she's sent? If something seems off about an email, it might be an attempt at phishing, and that is phishing with a PH. This is the act of trying to acquire personal information through email, website, or phone call. Alarmingly, according to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, Americans' private health data is worth up to 20 times the value of financial data on the dark web. That makes the health and public health sector, which agents selling health insurance are a part of, a primary target for cyber criminals. And if you're not sure what the dark web is, it's a network of hidden websites that you need a special web browser to see. It's called dark because these sites are anonymous and private, but it has a reputation for illegal activity like identity theft, among other things. Cybersecurity threats have been on the rise since the pandemic, so it's critical for you to adhere to cybersecurity best practices for insurance information, for not only your sake, but your clients as well. We developed the following guidelines with help from our IT department here at Ritter Insurance Marketing. Two members of our team hold the CISSP designation, a globally recognized certification specializing in securing the storage and transfer of highly sensitive data. So it's safe to say we take this subject seriously. Follow these best practices and you will be equipped to keep attacks at bay. Let's start with addressing why cybersecurity is important. Not only are you morally bound to protect your client's sensitive information, but you're legally bound too. The number one reason to have strong cybersecurity for your business is to protect your client's personal identifying information, PII for short, and protected health information, abbreviated as PHI. PII includes anything that can trace an individual's identity, like social security number and address, while PHI, a subset of PII, includes additional identifiable health information that is protected by law, like insurance information and medical records. Let's go over what specific types of data fall under both PII and PHI. Then we'll go over the differences. Data that fall under both personal identifiable information and personal health information are as follows. Name, social security number, street address, dates like birthday, date of death, date of procedures, and discharge dates. 
telephone and fax numbers, device identifiers and their serial numbers, biometric identifiers like finger and voice prints, account numbers and credit and debit card numbers, including security codes. Now, here's data that is specific to PII, personal identifiable information. Photos of your full face and other comparable images, other identifying numbers, codes, or characteristics. Online addresses like emails, URLs, and IPs. Driver's license, state ID number, or other license and certification numbers. Vehicle identifiers and serial numbers. When it comes to personal health information, remembering the health part of PHI makes it easier to differentiate types of data that fall under it. Photos of your full face and other comparable images, like full body imagery taken for medical reasons, other identifying numbers, codes, or characteristics, like diagnoses, treatment, scheduling, and appointments, medical record number, and health plan beneficiary number and information. If it's a piece of information that is associated and can be traced back to an individual, it needs to be protected. Cybercriminals steal PHI to sell on the dark web for a healthy profit, receiving up to $1,000 per full medical record. Then the purchasers, or the cybercriminals themselves, can use the information to purchase medical equipment or drugs, receive expensive medical procedures, or commit extortion, fraud, identity theft, even data laundering. Your clients trust you to do all you can to protect their PHI and PII. If subjected to PHI and PII theft, your client could spend months or even years rectifying the damage. They might have to prove to medical providers that claims were fake or that they didn't receive expensive procedures. They might have to report an incident to the local police department and Federal Trade Commission. And don't forget the potential headache of working with financial account providers to prove fraudulent activity and recover a damaged credit score. It's not a bad idea to ask your clients whether they have identity theft protection services. As an insurance agent, you are legally obligated to protect clients' data. Congress is serious about protecting sensitive information. In 1996, they passed the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA, That created national standards for privacy and protection in the insurance and medical industries. They've since added more layers to the act, including the HIPAA Privacy Final Rule in 2000, Security Standards Final Rule in 2003, and the Omnibus HIPAA Final Rule that implements certain provisions of the Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health, or HITECH, Act. All of these regulations work together to provide safeguards for your client's information. We have our episode on what agents are responsible for under HIPAA linked in the episode notes. There's a lot of vital information to hear in that episode. Besides being bound under U.S. law to protect data, you're obligated as part of your agreements with insurance companies and organizations. As part of HIPAA compliance, 
Carriers incorporate privacy and security compliance requirements into their business associate agreements. For example, the contract you sign to sell their products. Don't gloss over this part of the contract. Read it thoroughly and understand what the carrier requires of you. So we've talked about the problem of cybersecurity. Now what about the solution? Here's how insurance agents can boost cybersecurity. Unfortunately, there's no magic wand you can wave for strong cybersecurity. Creating a fortified citadel is about building many layers of protection and implementing such measures can take time and effort. Focus on one layer at a time and build up your protection gradually as you can. If you're just starting out as an agent, consider these best practices in your business planning before you start seeing clients. The first line of protection, purchase antivirus and anti-malware software. Malware, or malicious software, is any program or file, like a virus, that is harmful to a computer user and can cause problems, including loss of data, leaking of sensitive information, disrupting daily operations, locking up important files, and spam. These problems can lead to identity theft, fraud, and even irreparable damage to equipment and brand. Anti-malware software scans a computer system to prevent, detect, and remove malware, and it's important that you have this software on your devices. We suggest you do your own research when choosing this software, but keep these criteria in mind when choosing a provider. Price and your budget. Support options. Documentation for troubleshooting availability of instructional materials, and reputation in the community. Remember to keep your software updated. Keeping the software on your phones, laptops, and desktop computers up to date ensures that you're using the most recent and secure version available. Your device will likely prompt you to update your software when a new version is released. Once your device can no longer support updates, it's reached its end-of-life, or EOL, date, and it is a security vulnerability. You can easily find information online about whether your device is still supported. Before your device reaches the EOL date, it's time to shop for a new phone, laptop, or desktop computer. For more on electronics care, you can listen to our episode, Five Basic Care Tips for Your Electronic Devices. That will be linked in the notes as well. Next, encrypt your data to keep it safe from outside eyes. Encryption of your data can protect information stored on your devices. This is called data at rest. And information sent to others, like messages and shared files, which are called data in motion. When encrypted, your data is scrambled by an algorithm so that anyone trying to intercept that data will not be able to read it. Diving deeper into the definitions of data at rest and data in motion. With data at rest, modern operating systems offer full disk encryption to protect the data that lives on your devices. Mobile smartphones, Windows, Mac OS, and even Linux have pre-installed solutions to secure your data free of charge. 
This ensures that if your hard drives are stolen, the data on them is protected. This option should be turned on or enabled whenever available in your device's settings. With data in motion, the data that you're sending online also needs encryption. For example, let's say you sign up for your medical provider's online portal. Is your very sensitive PHI being securely sent to the company, or could hackers easily poach your information in transit? When using web browsers, look at the URL closely. Does it have HTTPS or HTTP at the beginning? Does it have a lock icon? Only websites using HTTPS are encrypting their data in transit. The S stands for secure, and you'll see a lock icon in the URL bar. Just keep in mind, this does not ensure the entire site is safe. Avoid sites that only use HTTP in their URL. Also, keep an eye on what the domain name is in the URL. You could easily fall victim to a cyber attack that uses easy-to-miss typos. Consider google.com, spelled G-O-O-G-L-E dot com, versus G-O-O-G, the number one, E dot com. A lowercase l looks similar to the number one at a glance, so be mindful of small details like that. If you submit your data through one of these fraudulent sites, you've sent your info right to the cybercriminal. As an agent, you probably rely heavily on email. Email can be a major cybersecurity liability if you do not follow best practices. Any emails you send with PHI or PII need to be encrypted. Sending an email from your Outlook, Yahoo, AOL, or Gmail account is not automatically encrypted. You must use encryption software to do this, and we encourage you to do your own research and select the best option for your budget. Start with an online search for best email encryption software solutions. Another line of defense for security is maintaining good password and login hygiene. Good password and login management adds an essential layer of protection to your fortress. Think of all the passwords you use with different carrier portals. What makes a strong password? With passwords, length is king. Making your passwords 16 characters or longer will create better layers of protection. Complexity takes a back seat to length, although you can strengthen your long passwords by using a random combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and special characters. I take a walk down the road and see a beautiful bird and want to sing, with no spaces between words, is a far stronger password than lowercase g, 7, uppercase f, lowercase j, asterisk, 3, which would take password cracking software less than a second to figure out. It can be tempting to recycle or reuse passwords if you're afraid you won't remember all of them. However, each of your logins should have a totally unique long password. 
If your device or an account came with a default password, change it as soon as possible. Follow these do's and don'ts for creating strong passwords, and we'll start with the do's. Make long passwords. We suggest 16 characters at minimum. Make each password unique for each login. Use a random combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and special characters. Use a credible password manager and always make sure to change the default password when you create a login. Now for the don'ts. Don't use song lyrics. Never use personal information like kids' names, birth and anniversary dates, the company you work for, etc. Don't use time-specific information like the current season or year. Do not write down your passwords. Don't update passwords with nominal changes like agent123 to agent123! exclamation point or agent123 to agent456. We told you to create a unique password for each of your logins, but how will you keep them all straight? We don't expect you to remember 25 separate 16-character passwords. Password managers and generators can make your life a little easier. A password manager stores your login information, which you can then access with a master password. Instead of remembering 25 unique passwords, you only need to remember one, since accessing your vault of saved passwords and selecting the one you need to log in to an account will autofill the information. When choosing a manager, research thoroughly and consider whether they've been breached, what was their response, and how do they ensure your data stays safe. Password managers should utilize industry standard or greater encryption standards and be transparent about how they secure your data. You can also rely on password software to generate passwords for you, taking even more effort out of the equation. We have an Agent Apps episode on password managers if you want to check that out in the episode notes. Next, we have multi-factor authentication. MFA for short. After you put in your username and password, a login may ask you to enter a code they text or email to you for verification. That's multi-factor authentication, and it's another key to strengthening your cybersecurity. If there's ever an option to opt in for MFA, do it. This is an easy and quick way to add layers of protection. We've added MFA to Ritter's platform login so you can feel secure when using our technology. When you first log in to the platform, you'll be prompted to enter a code that you can receive through text or email. MFA is automatically turned on so you don't have to worry about opting in. When available, Non-SMS-based MFA, meaning non-text-message-based MFA, should be used, since it's more secure. However, any MFA is better than no MFA. If SMS-based MFA is the only option, turn it on. 
Another simple tip is to log out when you're done using a website or app. When you're done using a certain account, log out of it. If you don't, hackers could possibly hijack your session and have access to your account. Easily pretending to be you on whatever service you are still logged into. Remember to keep your mobile devices safe and secure. Mobile devices like phones and smartwatches are just as vulnerable as our laptops and desktops. Keeping these devices secure is just as important as securing your other devices. To add layers of protection to your mobile device, make sure you have a PIN or biometrics for login. Ensure your data is kept private by creating a secure PIN, unlock shape, or scanned biometrics. By locking your devices, you maintain physical security of your data from any malicious actors. Short lockout timers are a good idea too. Even the savviest users have human habits, including putting your phone down without locking it. If a lockout timer is not set, this leaves your data and your client's data up for grabs. Using short lockout timers minimizes this risk greatly. Full disk encryption. Android and iOS phones come with built-in mobile device encryption. Again, keeping your data encrypted protects it against theft. Even if an attacker has physical control of your phone, the data on it is useless if kept encrypted behind a strong unlock password or PIN code. Encrypted emails. If you plan to use email on your phone, make sure you have the same encryption capabilities in place as you do on your other devices. If you don't, wait until you're at your laptop or desktop computer to send an email containing PHI or PII. Don't forget to secure physical devices. Do not leave your devices unattended, especially in public. If you work in an office and from a laptop, don't leave your laptop at the office overnight. Take it home at the end of the day. If you're in the office and need to use the bathroom, lock your computer before walking away. If you're working from a Starbucks, which we caution against and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but if you're working in a public place and need to use the bathroom, it may seem silly, but pack up and take your laptop with you. Consider where you're getting internet access and networks. Protecting your device and client data also means protecting how your device connects to the internet. You have some options with a secure private network being the best. When possible, Conduct business on a network you trust, like your office, your home, a network you control. If you do not control the network, you should assume it is a minefield and keep business functions to a minimum. Open, unrestricted, and public Wi-Fi networks, such as the one at Starbucks or McDonald's, are not secure locations to do business. Data submitted to a CRM on an open Wi-Fi network, for example, could be easily poached by someone else using the same network. Let's take a look at virtual private networks, or VPNs for short. 
VPNs allow internet users to establish a protected network connection when using public networks. Picture yourself holding a package of data. VPNs protect your data by creating an encrypted tunnel between you, your VPN provider, and the destination website. This tunnel ensures that anyone else on the untrusted network cannot read your data. Using a VPN comes down to your comfort level with risk and whether you trust the VPN you're using. If the VPN is provided and maintained by your employer, for example, then you can likely trust it's secure. If it's a VPN through a third-party provider, only you can decide if you trust that VPN enough to do business over it. Either way, we recommend keeping the exchange of PHI and PII to a minimum when using a VPN. Wait until you're back on a secure private network to update that client's file on your CRM or send an encrypted email or handle any PHI or PII. Next on our list, fine-tune your phishing radar. Phishing or the fraudulent practice of making calls or sending emails or other messages posing as a reputable company to steal sensitive data is a very common type of cyber attack. Remember the email from Susan with the suspect attachment? That's an example of phishing. Don't open the attachment, by the way. Ever received a text from Amazon wanting you to click on a link to verify your account? That's likely also phishing. Knowing how to spot phishing can be very useful for you and your clients, especially since scammers tend to target older populations. When you receive an email, even from a trusted contact, take a couple seconds to go through this checklist. Is the email from the same address they always use? If the sender typically uses Gmail and is now using Ymail, be suspicious. Does this sound like them? Ask yourself if the email's content or tone sounds normal, or if something seems off, for example, grammar, spelling, context, or subject. Check if the email is a response. Is this a response from a recent email? Attackers can use old emails to reestablish communications, for example, by replying to an email from two years ago. Did I ask for or should I expect an attachment? If you do not expect an attachment or the attachment has a non-standard file format, for example, .exe, .vbs, .py, this should raise concern. If there are links, where will they take me? Hovering over links before clicking shows the destination. If you receive a link for Home Depot products but hover over the link to reveal a Lowe's destination, this is not normal and should be considered malicious. With a fine-tuned radar for phishing, you'll be able to stop attackers in their tracks. When in doubt, contact the company, carrier rep, or client by some other means than email to verify the claims made in the suspicious email, message, or phone call. 
take it one layer at a time. All these different layers of protection can quickly get overwhelming. Remember, start with one and then build up more gradually. We recommend starting with some simple wins, like checking to make sure your full disk encryption is activated on your laptop, seeing if your device is up to date, or going into an online account and turning on MFA. Then, turn your attention to bigger projects, like overhauling your passwords or installing email encryption software. Create manageable goals, like updating the passwords on three accounts per day. Adding one guard at a time instead of a whole army all at once will make the whole process much easier. Cybersecurity is extremely important and deserves your attention. If you do the heavy lifting and set yourself up for success at the start, or now during the slower season, you'll be able to focus more on your business later during busy times of the year. But remember, vigilance is a year-round responsibility, so get started now with one layer of protection. Before you know it, your defenses will deter attackers looking for low-hanging fruit. We covered a lot of information in this episode, and if you have some questions, well, that's understandable. We are here. We would love to answer those questions for you. You can reach out to us via email at asgpodcast at ridderim.com. And don't forget to browse the episode notes for more information and resources that we mentioned here today. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next episode. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing, an integrity company. This episode was written by Isabel Vitali. Script adaptation by Tina Lamaru. Recording and production by me, Sarah Rupel. Podcast design by Urban Rivera. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. Rate and review our show on Apple or Spotify. 